This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, Sinn Féin says that to solve the housing crisis, existing homeowners must have the value of their properties slashed. Could it work? And how could it be done? Cliff Taylor writes about economics for the Irish Times. Cliff, before Christmas, in an interview with our colleague Pat Leahy, the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald said something that got a lot of attention and it drove a lot of commentary. She laid down a marker, a very clear policy marker. Let's have a listen to what Pat asked her and what she said. You you wish to see houses become more affordable? Mm, Absolutely. Isn't that the same thing as saying you want to see prices come down? Yes. The figure of affordability, I would say the 300,000 mark in a a place like Dublin, but obviously there would be a regional variation on that. The issue, Mm -hmm. the objective has to be to get prices as low as we feasibly can. Cliff, I think the first part of what she said was kind of expected. We all knew that, but it was when she dropped the the 300,000 figure. That was the, oh, okay. Yeah, it was an interesting one, right? As you say, Bernice, obviously the government jumped on it as something that would disadvantage people who've bought in recent years and also would be disruptive to the market, financing the market, building of new homes. Interesting, too, that I suppose Mary Lou Macdonald and Sinn Féin could have decided to come out and kind of, I don't know, clarify it or say perhaps that, look, our intention is that new houses would be provided at this price, but not necessarily that prices overall or on average would fall, but they chose not to do so. And in fact, housing spokesman Owen O'Brien kind of uh, doubled down on it to a extent saying, look, lower house prices are part of the solution here. What part of this does the government not get? Uh, so I, th- I think the ground was set, if you like, for, for a debate that's going to go through the next general election uh, and kind of a, a fundamental one at that. Interesting to see Taoiseach Leo Varadkar accept that point in general and say that, look, he would want to see or the government would want to see house prices at a more affordable level in relation to incomes. But the implication being that they would want it to happen over kind of a longer time period with perhaps house prices holding steady and incomes rising. Whatever way it's achieved, more supply in the market is something that that, that will hopefully let that happen, but probably over a period of time. Earlier this week, myhome.ie, that's the property website owned by the Irish Times, published a report that showed the asking price of house in Ireland is up by around 4% year on year. Now, that's throughout the whole country. So, despite everything, interest rates, inflation, nervousness in the market, so on, house prices are still climbing. Colin McQuilla, he's the chief economist with Bank of Ireland, and he wrote the report. We asked him to explain a bit more. Prices are going up. There's a lack of stock for sale at the moment on the website. But I think one thing we need to bear in mind is that more homes are sold last year than in any year since um, the financial crisis. We think there'll be around 60,000 transactions this year. That's just up around 1% in last year. So, you know, the supply side is getting better slowly but surely. More homes have been sold, more homes have been built. But unfortunately, it's the demand side, which is so strong. Um, I suppose one of the kind of uh, statistics in our report that got a lot, of atten- a lot of attention was that the revenue commissioners now estimate there's 357,000 tax units. That's pe- that's either a couple or a, a single person who earn over 100,000 euro. And that's up uh, from 168,000 back in 2018. So um, that's uh, an enormous increase. And it just sort of shows 
the strength of the Irish economy and you know how much uh, housing demand, the jobs growth that we've seen is generating alongside the pay growth. So some people are earning more money and that's driving up property prices. And that's something we might talk about more later. But overall, house prices are climbing and that leaves home ownership out of the reach for very many people. The way things are going, do you think people on average incomes have any hope of buying their own home? Very difficult, Bernice. Take the example of Dublin, if you were to look at buying in central Dublin region or I suppose what you might call the inner suburbs, the north city, the south city, uh, the answer to that would be would be no, it's very difficult. There was an estimate by uh, the Chartered Surveyors a while back, or a calculation, uh, that you would need an average income of about 100, or a household income, should I say, of 125,000, 6,000. That's way above the average. It is, income. yeah. Now there's various twists and so on in, in, the, in those calculations, but that is the the level you're talking about. And I suppose what the government have put in place to try to address that is a range of schemes that help house buyers. There's uh, the Help to Buy scheme, which has been in for a few years now. The first home scheme in which the state takes an equity stake in the house. And these are kind of patches or ways to try and get over the problem of house prices to, to, to get over that affordability gap. And they're for like. new homes. They, they apply only to new homes. And I, I think that's the reason why business in the new home market has been so strong. Uh, Connell was referring to that uh, there in the interview, whereas supply in the second-hand market is, is much lower. First-time buyers have this leg up, if you like, from the state to help them buy new homes. Now, despite that, first-time buyers are still more still buy more of their homes in the second-hand market. Uh, but what I think we're seeing is more and more of them being pushed out, in, again, in the case of Dublin, out to Meath and Calaire and, and the outer fringes of Dublin, if you like, which goes against government policy, which is to have people living closer to city centres in more denser spaces, able to, you know, not take the car to work, not live a commuting lifestyle, live a more green lifestyle, if you like. So I do think we face a conundrum there. Now, the comment that sparked this debate, um, or rather focused it maybe, was Mary Lou Macdonald's comment about that 300 grand average house price. So let's talk about that. We we asked Lorcan Sir whether he thinks that this is a good idea as a government policy. Lorcan Sir is a lecturer at TU Dublin and he's a housing policy analyst. In theory, it would be a really good idea to get the average house price down from €430,000 to €300,000. But it would require a really fundamental shift in the way in housing policy and the way we approach housing in general. You've got to think about it that everybody involved in this podcast and everybody listening, including their children and their parents, are worth about €166,000, €170,000 each. Two thirds of that is based is tied up in our real estate, basically our houses. If we were to reduce the average house price of a house from 430 to 300,000, uh, that would bring our average net wealth down from 170,000 per person to about 140,000 per person. And when you start to talk about it in terms like that, you go, uh-oh, it, that's not a great thing, is it? Well, actually, it is a good thing because what we do is we're, we're looking at housing since the 70s. We've been treating our houses as an asset, as our wealth. Now, other countries do, don't do that. And that's not a good thing because... What you're always looking for then is to be more wealthy. And the only way or the, the quickest way to do that is through your, the value or the, the, the price of your house increasing. And therefore, you might see it in your bank account, but you, the value of the thing that you go home to every night is increasing. So therefore, your net wealth is increasing. So yes, it would be a great thing. And it would mean that your kids might be able to afford a house uh, in due course. But is it what people really want? Uh, and that's the fundamental question for, for politicians and policymakers. 
Yeah, I think what what Lorcan said is uh, goes to the heart of the political debate. And I guess Sinn Féin have put themselves on one side, which is the people looking for houses, the people who don't have a house at the moment, uh, the people who are renting, uh, because they reckon that they're more likely to be their voters. Uh, If you want to look at it from a cold political point of view, the coalition will be hoping to attract that group as well, but they would reckon that a lot of people who already have houses uh, and would suffer, as Lorcan said, from lower asset prices, uh, that they're their voters as well. So they would be, I guess, loath to upset them or to upset them too much. So I think that's one of the things uh, that's going to define the election debate on this. The issue of the asset and, and, and a house being someone's main asset through their life is kind of ingrained in Irish in Irish life, really. Uh, it is the way that people have built up wealth over their uh, over their life. It is the way that they have used it in many cases now to pay for their own retirement and their own care as they get as they get older. In fact, the fair deal scheme is exactly built on that. it's built on that, uh, and it's also the way that they pass on wealth to their to to, to their to their children or the, or their family after after they die. So it is fundamental to the Irish psyche. Other countries operate in in different ways, if you like. In a lot of continental European countries, for example, people don't own their home, but they rent uh, through through their life. Are we really committed to rental as a long-term solution to the Irish housing crisis, if you like, or part of it? Or, or do we see it rental still as kind of a temporary phase of your life? You know, you leave home, you rent, then you buy a house. That's the, the traditional Irish model. Well, we also asked Colin McQuilla about the concept of aiming to reduce house prices to a particular level, like deliberately reducing them to a, a particular price point, not not what happened during the crash when sure. house prices collapsed. Boy, they did. And here's what he had to say. Well, it would be extremely difficult. And I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I mean, the way to reduce the price of houses is through an increase in supply and through, say, an increase in the efficiency or the cost of building a house through some kind of improvement in technology or reduction in labour costs or whatever else. And I suppose one thing we should bear in mind is that over time, over the long run, we should expect house prices to grow more or less in line with earnings. Pay growth at the moment is kind of certain 4 or 5%. So over the next two, three, four years, you should certainly expect average pay levels to be substantially higher. So um, you would expect ordinarily house prices to kind of increase in line with that. So in terms of getting that improvement in supply, I mean, we think we need thirty to 35,000 houses per annum just to meet the growth in the population and employment growth. And then, of course, there's the pent-up demand over the past 10 years, which may add an extra 100,000 units, which we need to eat into. So, I mean, we can talk about incre- reducing the price of housing, uh, but we need to increase the supply to maybe 40,000, 50,000 units Um to kind of eat into that pent-up demand. And of course, when you sort of say, let's have a price target, it's not properly cognizant, I suppose, of the fact that the people who are driving up house prices are ordinary people with high income. So Cliff, there's that point again, you know, that in a free market, rising wages means rising prices. Is there any way out of that? Only the ways, I suppose, that, that Connell was talking about there. I mean, way number one is to increase supply, because if supply exceeds demand, then prices should uh, should fall. You know, as we know, housing supply fell back really significantly after the financial crash. There was a few years when hardly any new houses were built because uh, all the builders had gone bust and the state had no money, basically. And we're still suffering the after effects of that. And also being affected by 
increasing employment, increasing wages and increasing uh, migration into the economy. The second way is to cut the cost of building houses or to build houses in a different way or accept that people live in perhaps smaller units or units that are cheaper to build uh, than is currently the case. And the third way to, to cut house prices, and this is increasingly happening at the moment, both in the owner-occupier market and the rental market, is to induce some, introduce some element of state subsidy. Kind of stopgap measures, uh, like the help-to-buy scheme, I would argue, is. We haven't really had any kind of holistic plan, if you like. And part of the problem there is really the solution to this is a long-term problem. You can't really fix this through short-term short-term measures. Or in an electoral cycle or either. In, well, that's the problem. So politics is continually pushed into looking for helping helping people this year, next year. Whereas the solution to this is really to look out over the next five or ten years uh, and to say, you know, where can we make a difference in terms of the planning system, in terms of the way houses are built, in terms of the way people live, and try and put ourselves on an agreed and better track than we are at the moment. If you look at some of the cities that do this well, you know, these these are places that have built up housing stock over, over many, many years. Uh, it's just not something you can do quickly. We need to do be able to build and get through the planning process much more quickly than we do at the moment. But even then, you know, this is a, this is a long-term problem and your political system tends to get pulled into short-term fixes and promises and undeliverables and everyone gets frustrated. More after this short break. Well, we also asked Lorcan Sir about how practically the goal of reducing house prices could be achieved. And, and here's what he had to say. It can be done. Um, when you look at, the, when you break down the cost of building a house, it can be done. It won't be done by, by developers in the private sector because they are out to make profit. But if the state is to do it and you're taking away then the cost of land in, in most instances and you're taking away profit and, and certain other fees. So so yes, it, it can be done just about and there isn't much in it. So there's two ways really it can be done. I suppose direct build would bring down, you know, would start supplying the market with houses that were a lot cheaper than 430,000. Absolutely, that involves a lot of state involvement. It doesn't necessarily mean the state hiring a load of people with shovels and pickaxes and all that kind of stuff. It probably means contracting out to the same people who build houses for the private sector in the first instance. And the second way to do it is to interfere with the market. Uh, in other words, to take away the subsidies that that purchasers and suppliers of houses have kind of become addicted to and have baked into their uh, development expectations. In other words, the expectations of the sales prices that money at for new prices also include things like help to buy and shared equity. Now, it's going to be very hard for the government or any government, Sinn Féin or Fianna Fáil or anybody, to, to kind of reverse out of those. But they would, they have been priced inflationary without a doubt. And so the second way they could do it is to interfere with the market and that would help bring down prices. But that that's a kind of a slow, a slow burner over, over a lot of years at supply, uh, hopefully increases. Okay, so two points there. He says the state should build more homes and the state should remove subsidies that are designed to help, but that only serve to increase the price of homes, the unintended consequences you, you mentioned earlier. Can we take those one at a time? So, state should build more homes. Uh, yes, it should. And I think whoever is in government, that is now an accepted part of policy. Part of the dilemma is that you're using the same builders as the private sector developers would use, or you're doing deals with those developers, perhaps. That can certainly 
trim away at some of the profit margin that exists at the moment. Uh, or in the case, for example, of building on uh, public sector land, it can, there's, there's obviously savings to be had then. But we, we, we do know that the Irish economy is short of builders, um, short of resources. Um, so that, you know, I think that's the direction policy is going. The, the only question, I suppose, is how quickly that, that can yield a result, number one. And number two, how you can, how you can do it most efficiently you know, is it via doing deals with developers? Is it via the state taking on more of the responsibility and doing deals with builders itself, a mixture of the two? Um, how do you set the incentives up in the market? Complicated stuff, slow stuff, but but really vital to uh, really vital to addressing this problem, I think. And what about removing subsidies, which is obviously something that could be done quicker, far quicker? Absolutely, yeah, and is likely to lead to some drop in house prices, I I would think. The help to buy scheme, I did some work on this myself a few weeks ago, and it's very interesting to see the significance of this in the new homes market. And it only applies on houses that are built up to a value of 500,000. The issue, I suppose, is one of the issues is, well, maybe you could buy an apartment for that in Dublin, but you certainly couldn't buy a, couldn't build a house and, and sell it at profit in Dublin at the moment at that level. So so that's tended to push the development of new houses out. And it's incredible to see the number who are number of new developments priced at 499,000 or 499,099, kind of the old Dunn stores tactic. And you have to reckon uh, that there's an extent of, to some extent of gaming going on there. And, uh, you know, some of the benefit of that going to developers and not necessarily to house buyers, as well as the urban sprawl issues. So yeah, you can remove that. I think Sinn Féin's argument is that it wants to do that and that it will hope to respond by increasing the supply of state homes and allowing first-time buyers to get on the ladder by doing that rather than giving a subsidy, which is probably the right way to go. But I think the, uh, the transition still could be politically difficult and practically difficult because you'll have a group of people who, uh, you know, who lose out from getting that scheme depending on how it's phased out or eliminated. Uh, but you can't guarantee how quickly prices might come down. So that's really politically tricky. And it's a classic example of introducing an incentive that isn't a particularly good idea, but it is then very difficult to get rid of. So we've been talking about reducing prices so people who don't currently own a home can afford one. But we haven't talked about those who already own a home. And they would also be affected by the Sinn Féin idea of pitching house prices at around 300 grand, bringing house prices down to 300 grand. Now, Pat Leahy, in that interview, he asked Mary Lou MacDonald about this. Um, and here's what she said. You're going to people saying, we, we, you know, we, this may be difficult, but we want, your, we want the, the value of your home to drop. Well, no, you're going and you're saying we wish your children, mm. your grandchildren to have homes. But that's I mean, the same thing. I know, but it, but it, you, you cite that as a political danger. Let me say to you, the far greater political danger is that we have still an entire generation for whom home ownership is a dim and distant fantasy. Cliff, before I get your views on this, let's hear Lorcan Sirs. 
This is kind of a political question in many ways, and, and politics is a question of priorities. priorities. Like, so do, you, do politicians want to prioritise existing, mostly older homeowners, uh, you know, who half of whom have a mortgage and half of whom don't? Uh, or do they want to prioritise young, aspiring homeowners, uh, and particularly the 400,000 people in the rental sector who want to buy their own home? But, you know, there's very few homes coming out there for them to buy. Actually, last year, only less than 30% of all new houses came to the market as new houses for people to buy. That's a trend that's been going down since 2017, when half of all new houses came to the market to buy. Last year, it was about 28%. And so if you're protecting people who, who don't want negative equity, well, then you're protecting existing older homeowners. So... You know, the other thing about, about negative equity is that if you're preventing negative equity, if you're saying it's a bad thing, well, the kind of the, the, the inference there is that, you know, prices must always rise. Uh, if nobody's going to negative equity. So our prices aren't, it's unsustainable to think the prices are, are always going to rise. That that just should not and, and cannot happen. So somebody somewhere is going to have to take the pain. And if you think about it, you know, in, ter- in terms of if you have children coming to that age, you know, it's, a, it's not a bad thing that prices fall. And the other thing is, the final thing that people forget is, like, what does negative equity matter, really? For how many people does, it, does negative equity, you know, impact them negatively? If you go to sell a house, for sure, um, absolutely. But for the vast majority, majority of people, whether your house is in positive equity or negative equity, doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. You tip away at the mortgage if you have one, and only half of all homeowners have a mortgage anyway, you tip away at it uh, until it's paid off, and that's it. Cliff Lorcan there mentions the word pain. Well, during the property crash, a huge amount of people were plunged into negative equity, and it was an absolute dreadful, dreadful thing for them. Shackled them to their home, um, caused enormous problems for people. Should we let people fall into negative equity for the greater good? That's a big question, Bernice. I certainly think that the balance needs to be tilted in favour of the younger generation. Uh, and I think, as Lorcan said, there are, there are trade-offs there. I don't think anyone, including Sinn Féin, is going to want to see house prices collapse by 15 20% overnight. So I think a lot of this is about timing and it's about increasing supply, hoping that this that's going to help prices to come down, while also implementing specific measures to help people, you know, for example, the cost rental model, the social and affordable housing model, which both government and opposition are both signed up to, albeit in slightly different ways and slightly different suggested targets. Whatever way you slice this, there there are going to be trade-offs here. Number one for, I suppose, the older established homeowners who, if prices fall, will see their asset worth less. As Lorcan said, does it really matter, you know, if you're in a whatever, for the sake of example, 800,000 house, does it matter if it's worth 700,000? Possibly not. Certainly if your family members are, are going to be helped as well. However, I do think it's an issue for the people who've bought over the last few years, were there to be a sharp fall in prices. For example, if you've bought a house for or an apartment for three or four hundred thousand and the price goes down by fifty or or, or or sixty or seventy and suddenly your your mortgage is greater than your your price, that, that is going to affect you if you want to move on. So I do think that's that is an issue and I do think there's a, a trade off and an interesting dilemma there, particularly for Sinn Fein who are aiming for the younger voters and younger voters a lot of them are locked out of the market, but some of them have bought in recent years as well. So that is I, I think a tricky one. But I think interesting to see Mary Lou McDonald and Ono Brain subsequent to the interview, you know, not resiling from from that position at all. Or that figure. Or that figure, interestingly. They do feel that their support is, you know, that there is a 
and ex- a wider acceptance, I suppose, of a need for change. And, and I suppose that they can, they believe, bring the public with them. This is a global problem. House prices have become unaffordable all around the world. So when it comes to housing, who should we be looking at? Like, has any country adopted the Sinn Féin idea as a way of solving their housing crisis? I don't think anyone has the magic key. Uh, A lot of countries uh, have looked to Vienna, for example, which has uh, a very organised social housing market. But it is a story that goes back you know, 100 years or more to the early years of the 19th century where a kind of a semi-socialist policy was set up. The state owns a lot of land in central Vienna, develops a lot of it. Um, 60, 70% of people live in houses that are subject to some subsidy from the government. Flip side is a lot of those units would be a lot smaller than Irish people are used to living in. A lot of them would be rented uh, rather than owned outright. Uh, Some of them are owned outright. So, you know, interesting differences there and things to debate in an Irish context. There are even more state-run markets such, such as those in Singapore, for example, where the state, again, has taken on a huge role in developing housing, uh, in some cases allowing people to, to sell it on, in a lot of cases giving people a 99-year lease rather than, you know, full 100% ownership. So there are a lot of ideas there that can be borrowed and debated from other countries. There are also a lot of design ideas, such as, for example, you know, what's happened in in Brussels in Belgium, where they've developed units, uh, more affordable units in the the centre city. Even some parts of the UK, where Irish experts say Ireland can look to places like Cambridge in terms of how you develop kind of denser housing volumes without necessarily going to high rise. Uh, So I think there's a lot of places we can pluck ideas from. Uh, I don't think there's any one model that is perfect. We have these national spatial and housing policies, which, as I say, are based on the idea of people living closer to city centres in kind of denser units. But is the Irish public really bought into that? Uh, Where do we stand on ownership versus rental? Where do we stand on the idea that, you know, you might not have your own back garden, your own front garden, you might live in a tighter unit, the trade-off being that hopefully you're in a nicer environment, you don't need to get in your car to bring your kids to school or go to the shops or whatever. I think there's a lot there to discuss and, and bottom out from an Irish point of view. And I hope that the election campaign maybe could be part of doing that uh, rather than a finger-pointing match, although you would reckon the latter is perhaps more likely. Cliff Taylor, thanks very much. That's it for today. For more economic reports and analysis from Cliff Taylor, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.